you know, like I, I wouldn't take off my Billy Joel T-shirt to. You got a Billy Joel T-shirt? <laughs> no. There's one thought in there. Um, sorry, I, I, won't, I, I wouldn't take off my Nirvana T-shirt to sort of put on it. That's also bad. Yeah, everyone, everyone who listens to this knows that I'm totes cray cray for Tay Tay, so <laughs> I'll, I'll just go with Taylor Swift. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt has been bringing you the best local and imported malts. Your premium brewing partner and your premium proud supporter of Brews News. This is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining me across the bonquette, it's not Formica and it's not even fake stone. Fake it's stone. actually it's beautiful polished timber here at Burnley Brewing in beautiful Richmond in beautiful sunny Melbourne. It's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. G'day, Pete. It's, uh, mate, this is, I'm so excited about this. Um, and everyone will find out in just a second why we're so excited. So get on with the introductions. We should say, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, thrown around a little bit. You know, we must do this more often, and all of a sudden we are. So, yes, we are recording live. Not only that, but for the first time ever, the, uh, the trio has become a quadro, and also the trio is, um, is here in person as well. As I turn definitely to my left and welcome in person Zoe Ottaway. G'day Zoe. Good morning everyone, how are we all? We're very well. And like a great, um, all the best, my favourite Hollywood movies always have, you know, the, the cast and alert and the director or whatever. And then, and introducing, <laughs> and it gives me great pleasure to, and introducing Megan Sally, who is the, um, whose name will not be uh, a household uh, name. Uh, well, but it won't be a surprise to any regular readers of the site because she is the, uh, the, the workhorse. Is that a, so she... <laughs> Oh, horsepower journalist? Like, you're the hero, she's the horsepower. Yeah, I'm, I'm Like, you're like, Bruce News, but she really makes it right. I take all the credit, but she does all the work. Thanks. She does it so well. So, <laughs> it, 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 it's so awesome to have uh, Megan uh, here as well. And particularly for those who have seen Megan's name, I guess, in print, and have been mispronouncing it Megan. Ah, uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, you don't know. You never know. And it's, for me, that's a very American thing. You always say, you know, it's like Tara instead of Tara, and, and it's Megan instead of Megan. And the worst thing is that the spelling is M-E-G-A-N, and in Australia it's M-E-G-H-A-N, if you say Megan. Oh, there you go. So I'm, I'm, it's just, it's, it's all wrong, basically. <laughs> but what's lovely, everyone can now hear your voice as well. So right. they can put a voice to the name. So welcome, Megan. Uh, Thank you. So guys, what we're going to do is rip right in, because uh, set the timer on the cook limit, and we are going to <laughs> slavishly hold to it. And we will uh, get to a little bit in mailbag. Exactly, more will be uh, revealed. But... Um, what we're going to do is just going to do a very quick intro, Matt, with um, banging through the headlines that we are going to, the things that have been making news this week. But rather than thrash each one out, what we will do is uh, just name check the headlines and then we'll have a bit of a... Let's the the, the things that are, that are a little bit deeper. Yeah, no, and the, the background of this, uh, Pete, was uh, where we had Bruce Vegas in Brisbane last week, which is a really awesome uh, week of beer. Congratulations to the, the, the guys that put it on. But I was uh, lucky enough to host a panel um, with, with some local brewers, including Stu Whitecross, who, who, uh, from Voyager Malt, who we've spoken to before. And um, he's booked us in to uh, do an outstanding in his field podcast. Um, so head, head down and uh, sit out in the field and, and talk, because um, Stu was just saying, oh, look, you know, I really enjoy the show. Um, listens to it with the, the headphones on in the tractor um, when, when, oh, when he's driving. Literally out in the field. And yeah. very, very out in the field. And, uh, and he said, you know, it's a really nice way to keep in touch with what's happening in the industry without 
having to sort of read you know, busy people and, and all of that. And that's what we do focus on, which is also why we're going to be a little bit punchier. But he, it's something that I've been thinking um, about for a while, you know, like when we split the podcast from news and conversation, um, and then it's been growing a little bit. But just doing a bit of a, these are the stories that, you know, you probably need to be across for the week without necessarily ha- having us go round and round in circles discussing it. And at it. the end of the day, while we're getting Megan to write all these beautiful words, you can, you can just go and read her work. When We will read them out because if you are too time poor or you don't get the chance to, you know, if you are busy if you're on a tractor business, rather than in an office. Or you're mashing in and you just want us to read in our dulcet tones the, 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 the news, we can just give you a quick summary of, of the news and then we'll dive a little bit deeper into one or two stories that really warrant it. Done. Well, in my best Eric Pierce then, I shall begin. Are the headlines? The, the first story that grabbed my head, and it, we haven't gotten on Brews News yet, but it will be up by the time this goes out, is Brewdog Shuffle uh, provides Australian guidance. Um, and Brewdog has shuffled its US leadership team with the Scottish-based brewery's former American head tasked with supporting the delayed Australian brewery. Um, US Managing Director Tanisha Robinson has transitioned to the global role of Chief Disruption Officer with duties that include driving business model, product and marketing disruption and innovation in the US and internationally. Um, Just out of interest on that, Matt, um, and I know we're not going to deep, deep dive into this one, but was that our words, uh, the delayed opening, or was that part of the... No, no, that was that was our words. Um, yep. Well, because they had announced that they were going to do it, they were going to start construction in July didn't actually start till very late December. Um, no reason given, they had all of their permissions, they, they weren't waiting on anything, it just didn't start. They lost their three, their, their team of three in Australia who all left very quickly after each other. Um, the Queensland government was expecting there to be some sort of spade turning ceremony that they could um, be part of. Um, no one from Brewdog uh, arranged that even though I believe Martin was in town uh, over Christmas. Um, and yeah, so I don't know what this all means, but essentially uh, um, Tanisha Robinson uh, has been appointed to a global role. Part of her duties will be supporting the Australian brewery development. Um, I have emailed Brewdog um, to ask them what that means. I've asked them uh, what their plans are. And even though they had promised what is it, radical uh, transparency? They don't reply to emails about such things. So anyway, so, so that was the news headline uh, there, Prof. Now, I, I can't help thinking that BrewDog, when they get an email from you, they just, they, they ring Greg Cook and they go, oh, seriously, should we reply to this bloke? <laughs> no, 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 just ignore him, you'll go away. Don't mention the war, Pete. No, no stone news this week. Actually, there might be some stone news. <laughs> Wait and see, listeners. Uh, Gage Roads partners with Western Force. So Gage Roads, um, Alby. So their, their brand Alby, which is yep. part of their Optus Stadium um, porridge, yep. uh, will sponsor the Western Force, which is the rugby union team. Second year, yep. And uh, it, they uh, investing heavily in their sporting sponsorships. Uh, which has been, I guess, fairly popular. Uh, Newstead have been involved in a couple, both with uh, the Western Reds, I think, at Ballymore Oval. And also uh, oh, no, the Queensland Reds, not Queensland Western Reds. Reds. Sorry, sorry. Um, the basketball Newstead sponsor. Um, they Surf Life Saving, does that count as surf a sport? Surf Life Saving, well, that's a... We say that's not a sport. Fundraiser they make and for And hello to Chris McNamara, who's a very good sausage turner at Nippers, I noticed. I'm not sure whether he listens to the podcast still. I'm sure he still would. Still does. Um, yeah. Hey, Chris, I uh, hope you're well if, uh, if you do. And... Um, they also did a special beer for, well, actually, I don't think it was a special beer. I think it was the same beer that they do for other um, events repackaged. 
um, for the comedy company, uh, for the comedy, for Queensland or Brisbane Comedy Festival. So oh. yeah, so as we're seeing brewers getting bigger, seeing much more um, active engagement in sports and some of the things that once uh, the big breweries locked down the um, sponsorship rights, I think uh, the general manager of Forex once said, if it moves, sponsor it. If it doesn't move, put a logo on it. <laughs> and we're seeing that more and more. Uh, but it's good to see, uh, I guess, something other than mainstream brands being associated with um, with various sporting coats. Oh, absolutely. It's really exciting to see great beers. Now, did you guys, so while we're racing through these, did you guys have any comments on Zoe? Well, an, another on one that just came to my mind was Colonial with um, Essendon Football Club. And yeah, to see just a craft logo go around on the, the lights around the MCG ground, which has... Definitely been a mainstream market. It might have been at Marvel Stadium. Oh, for, Marvel. Yeah, yeah. For Essendon home games. Yeah, so it was very limited. It obviously wasn't an AFL agreement, but um, just to even break that ground is huge. So um, just the exposure, the sheer number of people that get to see these like new brands just, and they stand out because we're so used to seeing the long term sponsorship of mainstream beer. Um, I think, yeah, the impact's really strong. Out of interest, Zoe, because I know it's difficult for, for example, um, uh, Amy Stadium, for example, at, um, which is the, the, also known as the Melbourne Rectangular Stadium. Mm-hmm. When there are events outside of, say, the NRL or the A-League or the Rugby Union, um, it has to be, it, it can't be referred to as the sponsor's name. Um, if there are competing sponsors. And the same thing with, for example, Toyota are the major sponsor of the AFL. So um, Essendon couldn't, for example, have Hyundai as, as that thing. So how does, how do the, from a marketing point of view, how do the, I guess, is it lawyers at 20 paces or, or is it just a case of getting in there and, and making your point to say, well, we want to have Colonial as our, our beer brand, but it's not going to impact with, say, the million dollars you get from Carlton Draft, for example, through the AFL. Yeah, absolutely. These sponsorships are always complicated. Um, and it's exactly because of that, there's so many players in it. There's different time frames. There's different occasions that the sponsorships apply to and the way they clash. Um, it is a case of just being on your toes. Um, and especially with things like um, naming rights, you often see that with... Um, whether it be a music festival or an arts festival, it might have a, a certain bank's name associated to the name of it. It's so easy just to call it by the festival name itself. And same with, I guess, the stadiums and things as well. It can get a bit tricky to stay on top. But, but that's why the ABC the always talks to the, the, the ABC always like calls Dockland it. Dockland Stadium yeah. or the Melbourne Rectangular yeah. Stadium yep. or um, Lang Park. Yeah, yeah. Although I still call Lang Park, I struggle with calling it Suncorp Stadium. Yeah. But actually, it just occurred to me while we were talking about that. So last week, I think we talked about the Pirate Life beer at the MCC, or um, well, it was on yeah, MCC on, Ale. MCC Ale. And for a long time, the big brewers just wanted to put out Carlton Draft, or you know, you'd have Crownies in Push the MCC, yeah. or whatever, whatever their flagship brand is. Zoe, do you think that we're seeing the MCC putting on a Pirate Life brewed MCC Ale? because consumers are starting to demand, um, you know, when you can go to another stadium and watch and, and get um, a Colonial, or, yeah, or you can get an Albi, yeah. um, that we're starting to see that that's starting to create, have consumer demand in other, some of the big brewery stakes. Yeah, absolutely. These, these decisions 
always come down to commercial sense. Um, the people with the power are the stadiums, so if they weren't going to get the volume through these craft beers, they wouldn't be taking them on. Um, so I think it's reflective of the change that we're seeing in the consumers wanting these things, and they know it's still not going to be overtaking the mainstream demand at these stadiums, but there is a significant amount of volume that they can now move via craft labels. Um, and yeah, it's just reflective of the marketplace as a whole. And I think we're going to see more of it. I don't think we're going to see IPAs on tap anytime soon or Berliner Weisses, well, but we no, might. But, but, or Sergeant um, Island. Well, no, I do um, stuff on P&O from TomTom, Tom, which is, you know, like it's, it's in the tier of um, cruise ships, it's the sort of very accessible range. And so it was always Great Northern, Corona, um, maybe a Peroni, they've got Goose Island on tap in some of their bars, which mm. on one hand you to say, well, it's a CUB brand. But if you've got Goose Island IPA on a cruise ship, you know that there is a real it's breaking change. breaking yeah. Um, yeah. The, the only consideration, I think, with sports stadium is just the alcohol percentage, I guess. They wouldn't want to be nudging. I think even 5% is mm. probably starting to nudge it like, just because of the the drinking, I guess, mentality at a sports game of any kind compared to... Um, so there's a chance we might see pirate like throwback. Uh, yeah. Uh, Lion, this week acquired um, a 50% stake in Four Pillars Gin up at Hillsville, which I think is their first... Uh, spirits... Uh, spirit in Australia. But in in, Austra yeah. They did distribute in New Zealand, um, but and they're divesting themselves of dairy in Australia, and so it's their first um, spirit... Um, purchase and it really shows how um, rapidly growing the uh, gin market is. I think it also says a lot about Four Pillars that of all the ones you could have chosen, they've narrowed in on, and presumably not because, oh, I reckon that's the one we can afford, but it would have been, Zoe, I'm guessing, that's the one we want. Yeah. That's the one we want in our stable. And I look at the reaction from uh, Brucon last year to the 45 minute. Uh, piece that, that Stu Gregor did, and the, the feedback from that w was absolutely unbelievable. Um, you could see why Four Pillars had gone so well, and Stu Gregor got up there and basically said, you know, you're doing this, aren't you? Like, of course you are. Why wouldn't you be doing this? This is, and everyone's sitting there going, why aren't we doing this? And they've grown a brand so strong so quickly, but then you've got all these other, um, so I'm lucky enough to, to be involved with the, um, the Royal Melbourne Show, the Winning Tastes Masterclasses. And so I get to um, do a little masterclass of, you know, with the gin producer, vodka producers, and it's, it's the champion distillers and all this sort of thing. And just learning, you know, just in the, I think, just in the Australian gin category at the Australian Distilled Spirits Awards last year, there were 250 or 260 entries. So that's how much just that Australian gin. So that's gin it's with Australian botanicals. 15% internationally, yep. uh, or 15% in Australia, but within that 15%, Australian gin is growing at 30%. Yeah. So we're loving all of the botanicals and unlike whiskey. Room, is it, we, we talked about this at um, the ECHA last couple of years, sort of, you know, all of a sudden jerky has become a thing and, and all of a sudden we, oh, he's doing jerky, so I'll do jerky. And the yep. next thing you know, you've got roadkill jerky or you've got, you know, built on. Well, and it's all more boutique um, jerky. Yeah, but with, you know, is, the, is the market Spirits is growing. Um, yeah, I, I think, well, it's growing. So, and you've got more players going into it. Um, I, I think the attraction for a lot of businesses is, unlike whiskey, which you don't have cash stream for a couple of years um, because you need to barrel age it. Gin, yeah. you can pretty much pump it out. Um, and it's, it's a lot more immediate. Um, and I actually heard, I, I, I won't turn anything, I won't break any... Uh, Confidential. Well, there was yeah, no confidentiality, but at least one significant brewery is um, 
in the process of putting in a distillery um, as well. We, we've got Young Henry's got a distillery. Um, we are seeing, and even our good friends at Spark, who sponsor other parts of the uh, the, the site, they have in, created their own distillery line as well. So there's obviously demand for it. Um, and it's a nice little sideline to, to, to beer. So, so um, does, it, does it hurt Four Pillars? Um, I, I guess I should start with a little disclaimer that I actually used to work with Cam um, back when, what was known back then as Giant Steps Instant Bystander, he was my yep. manager then. Yep. So for That's Cam uh, McKenzie, McKenzie. Um, yep. and I think it's easy to look at Four Pillars and go, oh, they just did the right thing at the right time. Um, they're extremely smart operators. Yeah, they absolutely do. Yeah. They, they, they can't, have they can't the, get that final kind of point now, right? They, they're at capacity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but they've also been really. The gins are great. They're internationally awarded gins. It's their branding too, and the the culture that they've been able to create and then communicate to what was at the right time a growing gin category. Like gin is still a very yeah, small category yeah. and especially the world they play in, it's smaller than craft beer. But the way they were able to change that and really get people talking about gin and people that might have originally gone, well, gin was what my grandmother drinks or gin's it's just the cool. happy hour um, drink. Like well, it wasn't. There's how many beers in a bottle of gin? How many tears in a bottle of gin? Yeah. Paul yeah. Kelly. Because it, yeah, it was one of those uh, things that it was... Careless. Made, well, but, 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 so, you know, when, you know, a long time ago, it was what, you know, made girls cry or, you know, it was things that you sort of always cry. Oh, whereas yeah. now it's beer tears. Mother's ruin and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 the perception's perception completely changed yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. From old youngs um, tells the beautiful This story. is why we've got Megan on because Megan balances out, um, you know. <laughs> so, Zoe, I've got a question for you. Um, four Pillars, absolutely massively popular. Four Pillars absolutely needs to expand in order to, to keep growing. Um, given that they're so popular, why wouldn't they have attracted private equity or done a crowdfunding? Because wouldn't heaps of people, particularly their, their loyal fans, say, yeah, yeah, I'll put a hundred, I'll put a thousand in like, yeah. to own a bit of that. I can't speak on their behalf and I certainly don't have the exposure or experience in this. Just from my personal opinion, it could just be a matter of logistics. Like these guys have worked their arse off for five plus years. Um, so like I said, when I've worked, it would a much easier distribution path than having to manage it in-house. Um, even managing like and the accountability that comes with having extra investors that you're responsible Whereas for. Whereas in you get the cash, but it doesn't give you've you business any, you've still exactly. got to do your distribution and all of that um, sort of thing. And like, you know, having yes, still kept in touch with these guys really quite tightly, like they are hustling. Like you speak to Cam, he'll spend a day distilling in Hillsville and then he's Geelong that night for a dinner and then he'll be flying interstate. Like they've worked really hard to get to where they are. And I think it's quite easy to say, yeah, right place, oh, yeah, right yeah. time. And, and Stu is one and of so, the hardest working oh, guys in Stu's incredible. In I will never have the energy he has in a day no, or in a no. lifetime. But, but I even see that with um, someone like Stone and Wood. You know, like Brad Rogers was in Brisbane for an event for Bruce Vegas. He's heading to CBC. You know, he's he just he's, those guys are still all over the place. And anyone who thinks that just because you've reached a certain size that you're taking the foot off and you've got people to do it for you, um, just no. not. Realistically, too. Let's be honest. Would yeah. would Line have paid not over the odds, but would they have paid more? Oh, I, I wouldn't potential. even. Like, it, it, it's a little bit like investing in something like Black Ops. You're not 
investing in what they're making now, the strength of the brand oh, and where you see it going. As a market, I would say yes, because it's there. It's not just the, the, the gin and the equipment that you're buying. It is also that brand equity and yeah. the fact that they are still um, carving new paths. They are really igniting that category and they are bringing people into it that haven't drunk gin before and continuing to do so. Um, they're holding their own against, um, you know, it is a category that's getting quite flooded with new entrants um, and they're holding their own, say like the um, larger craft breweries kind of struggle with that yeah, as they get yep. bigger and um, the, they're not the newest and freshest brand. Um, they're still holding their own. So I think, yeah, definitely that would have to have been a consideration. But most, that's, with, that's not a... Um, no, 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 just an opinion. That's mm. good. Um, but most importantly, I think for all the cynics out there, um, at least uh, you, you will know now that... Uh, four Pillars will only be half dumbing down their products. <laughs> Which half is the bottle? A 50%. The, the bottom half. The bottom half so, 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 so the first pour is still going to be good. It's still going to be good. You won't, you'll be able to taste the independence down to about the 250ml mark. Or 500ml mark. So how's right. that um, uh, headlines thing idea? I think we've raced through it. Yeah, no, working, working beautifully, Matt. So now we're going to dive into the next If story. you thought that was brief. Strap yourselves in, trendsetters, because we're going to go into uh, our current affairs section where we have a look at a, a topic or two. Uh, at one at of the most. stories that isn't going to fit into the current affairs, even though it is a bit of a current affair, is canning, Pete. Canning. Um, well, canning obviously is, is something that's really taken off in the last few years, Matt, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about American trends and how we follow them and perhaps even pick up on them even more quickly. But if you're an Australian brewer that's picking up on the canning trend, where would you go? To get your labels. Well, the can's one thing, that's right, but the label, <laughs> Zoe, am I right? The marketing is everything, and that's where your, right. uh, your real estate on your can is very important. Now, Zoe, as a marketer, um, you know, you see the way that we seamlessly introduced our ad for uh, Rallings. Uh, one I three had no labels, idea until you just two, pointed it out. <laughs> if you were advising a client, where should we advertise? Would you recommend that they advertise on Radio Brews News? Why would oh, they do it? 100%. <laughs> Why would they do it? Well, because it's seamless. It is seamless. Much but like a good can is seamless, uh, and a good label is even more seamless. Like, you know those ones that you can see the edge peeling and that sort of thing? You won't get that sort of thing with Rallings labels and stickers. What number would I call to get Rallings labels on Matt, my cans? Matt, pick up that old rotary phone. <laughs> It'll take you about eight minutes to dial, but it's one 235 to discover a more efficient way to get your small batch canning labels done. So Pete, current affairs. Now, now this is so this is this is a bit where we're supposed to get into it in a little bit uh, more, more detail. Yeah, okay. Twenty-two and a half minutes in. All right, uh, Matt, New Belgium, a favourite of ours. Um, they have begun contract brewing for a startup lager brand. Yeah, on, on the surface, you might wonder why this is the story that we've decided to dive a little bit deeper in. Um, New Belgium, one of the top ten, and I think one of the top five craft labels, independent craft labels in the US. Um, we had a really great uh, chat with Kim Jordan, um, founder, last year after yeah. BrewCon. Everyone will know them, but they are a major, well-established craft beer brand that, in the height of the growth phase, built a second brewery, um, and then suddenly we've seen a couple of the biggest breweries, whether it's um, Stone, um, New Belgium, uh, Boston Brewing Company, they've all come off their core product, which is their, their, their craft beer, um, and New Belgium is apparently off by 11%. That's in sales for the, the last financial year? In sales for the last finan for, for, uh, calendar, or 2018, decline in 2018, and so 
they've started taking in other people's washing in the form of contract brewing uh, a lager brand. And I thought this was interesting because I'm a real believer that the Australian beer market um, is a couple of years behind the, the, the US. But that gives us the advantage of the, the US is pioneering um, things. It's all, and I think of the, the cyclists. So you've, you've got the windbreak, you know, the, the guy who's sort of breaking, um, breaking wind, wind <laughs> sort of, you know, sort of you know, blazing the path. And everyone slipstreams the a little runner. bit. Yeah, the front runner. And everyone slipstreams a little bit behind them. Um, and so they don't have the same, um, you know, sort of... Uh, momentum? No, they've, they've, they've got the momentum from the first person. But consequently, you know, if there's a cat on the road and he has to swerve, they've got advance notice. You know. Oh, nice analogy. How have you got knocked on him? He should be, he should be writing copy. I'm not wordsmith. But yeah, but, but you, you still see, see them swerve. Thank and God so Megan writes the stuff You've just now got that little bit of extra... You, you're slipstreaming behind them, but then you also get to see where they swerve. And so we haven't reached that stage in Australia yet. A couple of our biggest breweries, whether it's, you know, our big breweries, whether it's Four Pines, Pirate Life or Feral or Mountain Goat, have been bought out, um, which really leaves a brewery like Stone & Wood is the biggest um, brewery that uh, we're seeing at the moment. And they seem to have really modelled themselves on the new Belgian model being a big part of the community. And, you know, are we going to see... Um, does and this is a question for Zoe. You know, when when a brewery gets to a certain size, craft started as we're against big breweries, and so they they grow, they grow, they grow. They're supported, they're loved. They start to broaden their appeal. But is there a glass ceiling that craft breweries reach, and then they need to look at other business models? Um, Boston has gotten into hard tea and hard um, seltzer, hard lemonade, hard yeah. lemonades. Um, Stone, which, as we all know, said they would never export beer to Australia, suddenly exporting beer and turning a, a, a blind eye to a whole lot of the things that they said that they hated about exporting beer because they're almost, um, uh, you know, sort of... And that's just to maintain their, I guess, their position rather than it's hedging their grow the business. business. Yeah, yeah it's but it's hedging it's their bets. So they don't go backwards. Yeah, so they don't go backwards. And, you know, do you think that there is a limit at which craft breweries stop being seen as craft breweries? and they're squeezed by the scale of the pirate lifes, you know, by the, the, the big breweries that have got all of the scales, and then they've got all of the small breweries that are seen as hip and dynamic. There, there, there is a, like a dead zone, like a dead man zone for craft breweries that they grow when they can't grow anymore. Yeah, it's quite funny too, because to me it's something that's quite special or applied to craft beer. Like this can happen in wine and we would never know about it. And even the um, acquisition of Four Pillars by Lion, it certainly got talked about, but not with the same um, intensity or reaction as if a craft brewery. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there is these certain aspects that I think are quite unique to craft, the craft beer industries and worldwide as well. Um, do they kind of sit in this middle ground? Um, Again, I think a lot of that is just the business decision because they do then kind of hit this limit where they are fighting against the bigger budgets and the bigger exposure and marketing campaigns. Um, we were saying offline earlier, like it's kind of a bit strange too as people come in, if, if we just use Stone and Wood as the most obvious example, 
you know, if people are coming into the craft category and they're seeing Pacific Ale everywhere, that makes them so stoked and happy. Um, for a lot of craft beer drinkers, they start seeing it everywhere and they're like, they oh, this must yeah, be mass. Yeah. yeah, is Australia a little bit different too? Does America have the tall poppy syndrome? Like it seems to me that if you get bigger, more people want to be part of, well, you know, like the world they, champion or the, um, you know, the Super Bowl winner. Whereas here, we're more likely to root for the underdog. Is that just in our DNA? I think that's inherently a craft beer thing, though. I think, I think the mentality behind craft beer is often to support the underdog. Because it was, it started as a reaction against the beer. Yeah. Right. So is it the indie label kind of thing where? Absolutely. Yeah. uh, They're my band. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and it's this thing that's just... I liked them just, before they were popular. That's right, yeah. And so once they're popular, it's almost like now I can't listen to them because they're not what I... But they still are. Yeah, well, I mean, what you were saying there, like, I mean, I think with with the likes of um, Stone and Wood, they, they, they did get to a point where they were like, okay, we need to expand. But And I guess they're a bit different to the other guys who, who did sell. But I mean, what do you do when you hit a point and you can't go anywhere? I mean, the only other option, in my view anyway, would be to open several hospitality venues to, to distribute your beer so you don't have to sell someone to get distribution further like which, which again is an interesting thing because i mean stone and wood to me is a is a model so there's so many parallels and i know that they're good friends with the guys at new belgium um, and it's almost as if they've seen what new belgium have done and a lot of the things that new belgium have done are almost reactive because you know they they obviously didn't expect this downturn because they built this second brewery and couldn't foreshadow what was going to happen. Um, and Stone would have seen all of this, and so they've they created the Fixation brand a couple of years ago, but now they've opened the Fixation um, storefront, the incubator, the incubator in Melbourne. They're opening a Stone and Wood in Brisbane. Um, they've got the Ingrained Foundation, um, which is very charitable. Um, they're very active in their community. Mash Collective. Mash Collective. All of those things. Uh, they've. Um, Forest for the Trees, so uh, Brad Rogers, Sidearm, then they've got uh, um, Counter Killer Culture. Queen, Counterculture, Counter Culture. Yeah. all of these things that are keeping them cutting edge and relevant, but they're still getting natural growth from Pacific Ale. Um, Pacific Ale is still growing, I understand. Um, they almost seem to see the what they need to do to stay relevant and stay hip and not be seen too big. Um, and uh, Megan's about to write it. Tell us about the story that you're doing for um, about their staff. Um. Oh yes, well um, they announced, uh, I suppose last month, even this month really, that um, they're going to be, it's, it's I suppose like a childcare benefit scheme for their employees and it, it benefits not, it, it benefits the primary carer of a child that is either born or adopted within 18 months um, and, they go, and the primary carer goes back to work, they'll receive uh, $5,000. Um, to help, obviously, pay for childcare. Yeah, 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 and and um, but it also, uh, if the primary carer is the partner, and the partner does not work for Stone and Wood, they are still eligible. So it, it's it's very um, equitable. Um, and that's very Stone and Wood. Like right from the start, they've yeah. been our most important resource. Are, is our people? Because mm. without that, we don't get the liquid. We don't get the yeah the distribution. Yeah, and, 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 and Zoe, is, is something right. like that. It's obviously great for staff because it builds loyalty. They've got their, um, when you've been there for five years, you uh, do- Road to Munich. Road to Munich, you you become a shareholder. I think every year um, of service you get- Like access to shares, so you become an owner, all of those sorts of things. It's obviously great for staff. Do you think that translates into a a market advantage um, for the business or is it just 
you've got really passionate people. No, no, I've actually written down some notes to make sure I try to get this in before we change subject. <laughs> no, we're not changing um, subject. We're, we're, I was we're, really... This is, this is the deep dive. And I'm, I'm keeping the, the appropriately Did named you? right now cook this time limit <laughs> online so I don't waffle too much here. But um, I think especially those that were have been drinking craft beer for a long time, the Stonewood story is well known and how it came to be, the fact they set up in Byron Bay over anywhere else, the lifestyle that they put with their beers and how they just really captured, it's more than just beer, it's more than just in the glass. They really put together their positioning, their values um, and their brand story in what Stoner Wood meant. And you knew that when you started drinking the beer. Um, as they've expanded and have gotten to the size they are and now competing against the other breweries that they're competing against in terms of volume, they have really held on to that. And these things, they might not, it does, it's not as part of their, um, their business that the everyday consumer is probably likely to know. But within us, like the, the craft beer community and the people listening on um, this podcast, it is something that we are likely to know. And then that shares it forward. It's not something that they've yep. probably put out in a press release. But, but it's it not does something you won't find it on the add, pan. No. You won't find them trumpeting, you know, that we do this or we look after our staff or we have yep. a road community. But no matter how much, how big they go, no matter how many Pacific Ale taps we see, we'll still have that feeling towards Stonewood because we know it's genuinely them. Um, when yeah, Megan um, told us earlier about this, I... I got all happy, but at the same time, I'm not surprised because that's genuinely who the Stonewood culture is. And yeah. I've been lucky enough. It's not enough. a cynical marketing ploy. No, no, it you is. You know that it's part is, of their DNA. And that's, Brewdog, for example, yeah. giving paternity leave. Paternity leave. <laughs> yeah. No, we're, yeah, this, sorry, this the, the, the is culture the guys to a um, And the way, Ooh. you know, if you go up, yeah, I've been fortunate to spend some time with the Stonewood teams. and. You speak to every staff member there, and it's it is genuinely a big beer family. Um, they are all, and again, like when we we're talking about the four pillars, brand equity. It's the same when you go in there. There's, it's not something that every workplace can create, and it's not something I think that happens organically. It is something you have to be aware of, and you have to work at it, and you have to make. A, a deliberate cultural um, effort in your business and I, I, they've done that from the start they've, yeah. they've really identified not only as business owners but as management what kind of workplace they want to be creating and they've, they've stuck to that all over like throughout their whole all their years and again we talk about it quite a bit Matt that I guess those of us uh, and you know talking to the table here and, and most of our listeners have been drinking beer for long enough to know when there wasn't a time when there was choice at the tap so for us we can appreciate seeing stone and wood as being i guess more ubiquitous and saying that's great for everyone mm. whereas i guess the the less seasoned or less mature drinker sees that as oh if i can get it in dan murphy's then it must be mega swill like uh, well let, let's put it into perspective there as well because i mean stone and wood is somewhere around about 12 13 million liters i, I believe the, the at Pacific, the moment yeah as a brewery um Furphy, 20 plus million litres um, on a MAT basis. Yep. Which, do you want me to tell you what no, that no, is? No, no, don't worry about that. <laughs> hello to James Omon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, whilst it seems that it's everywhere and it's highly visible, it's still a drop in the ocean compared to 
any of the mainstream brands like Great Northern or anything like that. But then it's also compared to a major craft, like a major craft brand from the, the, the big brewers like yep. Furphy, still a fraction. So do we need to really, I guess, galvanise the, you know, the, the, the craft drinker or the independent drinker to sort of say, forget about what you, you know, personally feel about brands. Um, and, you know, in the words of the, the great 21st century philosopher Tay-Tay, you know, haters going to hate, 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 hate. Maybe Joe could uh, slip a few. Oh, and while we're on it too, just then out of the room, Joe, thank you. Crickets, three crickets in last week's episode for stuff that I said. Where crickets were not warranted. I'm just saying. <laughs> listen back to the tape. No, I love your work, Joe. But just but, fewer, uh, actually, fewer but, crickets. But that's a good point. Um, Pete just raised. You know, do we as beer aficionado or beer sort of beer community need to do something, or is that what Stonewood is doing with ingrained foundation, with their brand offshoots to keep excitement in the industry, with their things? Do you think that they're aware of the potential I've got and? We don't need to do anything because they realise that they need to proact be proactive in their brand to create this love for the brand. I think it's something that they probably were well aware of before any of us even realised they were aware of it. Um, and obviously I can't speak on any of the team's behalf, but you know, they're using all their success for good. Um, and you know, there'd be a lot of other you know, outside beer if we looked at other privately owned businesses that would just keep you know, buying that extra car or getting the bigger house where you know, these guys are really aware of like, I saw what... Brad Rogers' camera the other day. He's got a pretty nice camera. <laughs> <laughs> and again, well-deserved. Um, but it, it is really refreshing, I think. He's really living an alternative life. He's driving a camel. <laughs> I think it's really... Um, I think it will stand out more going forward in just the way as a society we're changing and everything's so accessible, information's at your fingertips, we're so branded and shouted at, we're becoming more online connected with each other but probably personally less connected with each other. When you hear of any business and especially one as passionate in the craft beer community um, where they're actually just doing the right thing and just being good people, I think it's going to cut through. And is it, is it true? And like, it's, sorry, their actions are true. I think integrity is going to, well, I always hope it goes a long way, but I, I think having these conscious decisions within your, like even within your marketing, um, I suppose, strategy moving forward, I mean, I think it's just going to become more obvious which companies have integrity and which, which don't. And it, yep. it will, it, Stonewood's been around for one of the longest, I mean, in the whole... 2006, so 12 years, 10, 12 years? I mean, a 10-year-old brewery, I know that's young in the global scheme, of, but in Australia, if you're still going at 10 years, you, you're that's doing enough. the right thing, right? right? Yeah. But you pick up an interesting point there, Megan, in terms of that integrity, and I guess, for me, it's like, I look at fixation would not have done nearly as well if it was Stonewood IPA, because... It, it's that old thing of like stick to your knitting. What Stone and Wood did really well was either creating a style that's not a style. The first time I or tried is it a specific style, or is it a I was really disappointed. Like, yeah, I was, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, and, and that's where they've had an amazing influence on the craft beer industry because everybody launched in those days with an American Pale Ale. And I remember writing an article for um, Beer and Brewer 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago, is actually probably 12 years ago is pale ale the new lager because everybody had one yeah um 
and they came out with Pacific Ale that was an Australian ale that had that little bit of zing to it with the um, Galaxy Hop. Lifted hop aroma. Absolutely, and uh, created, and suddenly, and it was 4.4% as well. Everyone was sort of up around the, the, the 5% and they created this beer and the first taste, really? That's what you want, want to launch with? Well, they, and then, they created then, a beer for Australians, though. It, and well, the but that is the Literally for Byron, you know, for, yeah. for that kind of yep. walk up onto the sand. Uh, and, and that's what everyone pub. thinks Australia is like. That's I mean, Melbourne's I an exception because it's miserable half the time. But, um, you know, it's for everyone overseas so it's person thinks... person with the English accent. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're ahead of the market then. They're ahead of the market now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't speak but, but so, so they couldn't have put out a stone and wood cider. Whereas Treehouse Cider, yeah, under that uh, under the umbrella, works yep. really well. Fixation, doing just IPAs. I mean, that's that's absolutely classic for me. Can they also say that they never have an IPA. So, <laughs> no, well, that's what I'm saying. But they, it wouldn't have done nearly as well yeah. if it had come out as a Stone and Wood IPA. And I'm, then they've also got Tommy Delmont because, again, having a Stone and Wood cider, you couldn't have had Tommy Delmont as the face of it because Brad, Jamie and Ross are the faces of it. So having fixation, they can partner up with somebody who is just such a passionate, um, positive advocate of So do what you do, do well. And an avid listener of the podcast too. Is he? I might add, yes. Send us an email. Hey Tommy. Tommy? (laughs) G'day Tommy. And again, he's in my top 10 of people I'd love to have a beer with. You know, getting stuck at the bar with somebody like Tom Delmont because you, I, did, you, you know, I, didn't know he, I didn't know he listened when you said that. So, um, mm. so get out of Tom and to Sam, yeah. Sam Bethune as well. Someone who does listen is, uh, the, the, uh, is a lot of listeners who have taken the cook. I think that worked really well. Uh, all our letter writers, Matt, once we dive into the mailbag, uh, will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And, they will and if, go you haven't, the... um, if you haven't received a bottle opener, it may have been because we don't have your email address, uh, sorry, your postal address, so please don't think that you're being grabby yeah, um, by... Yeah, not ghosting you. Uh, but, but send us, and so say, by the way, my post office box is, don't feel like you're being clingy or grabby or anything like that. Because um, everyone who writes in or sends us a... The easier our life can be, uh, that's the better. Right. Just give us a and we've give got us address. waiting your call. Otherwise, we're just going to have to bring a big box of bar blades um, to our next Meet the Brews news, you know, like beer and the... Have a beer with the boys. Mailbag. Uh, mailbag. So don't forget to uh, review us on iTunes or send us in an email and you will be in the draw for the letter of the week, which will receive a Bruise News bottle opener and the winner of the ones selected by Zoe and Megan um, will also, as the as the letter of the week, will receive a mixed six pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our letter of the week. Um, Matt, you caught up with Stu Whitecross from Voyager Craft Malt, and uh, I talked about that at the yeah. uh, start of the show. So sorry, it's in the show notes. I know. Yeah, um, no, but I'm just saying that that's one yes. of those uh, other things. I'd be keen for people to send us in. Uh, you know, just flick us. Where a, do you hear the? Yeah, where, where yeah, do you, where listen, do you to listen to the, the podcast? Because it would be good. And, do we almost need to do a, a survey on like you know where you listen to us, how you get it? You know, I think what, the most creative, the creative no, answer. No, 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 because I don't want anyone listening to us in the toilet. <laughs> because given that we're going to book limit, it may help. <laughs> you know what? I was feeling a bit bound up, but then I listen to Matt flog a dead horse about stone enjoyed by IPA, anyway, and all of a sudden, my bag. So, but, yeah, I was thinking Mediterranean. Squeaky clean. We, we do speak to a lot of brewers who mash in. Um, to us, um, and mm. or you know, stew on the on the track on the tractor. A lot of people do a lot of fitness um, in the industry. A lot of people listen to us while yeah. they uh, um, for their constitutional for their, for their walk or, or their run or their, their gym session. I don't know where Grant McCarran listens to us, but he says hi there. I got to the Canberra Craft Beer and Cider Festival for the last half hour after meetings. 
uh, I scored a free entry as I was staying at the Mercure where it was held. The smart card wristband system was great, but it did hit a bit of a snag. A few of the brewer stands that I went to had run out of battery on their readers. Oops. Uh, they were happy to keep giving away tasters. I offered to pay some cash, but they just laughed and they weren't worried about it. Um, it was less weight to get home. Uh, all up, it looked like it went very well, as it had good crowds up to the end, some of whom went to the McEwers pub uh, to carry on afterwards. I got to try some good new beers and found some new breweries to visit when I travel and support when I find the beers down here in Melbourne. Fun times and the smart card thing seemed to work almost perfectly. Cheers. And that's from... Grant uh, McCarran. Grant McCarran. Hey, actually, I really like Apropos it. And, and, and Grant actually about... sent something overnight that oh, okay. hasn't made the show notes, but All right. we'll, 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 actually, we'll save that for next. Just folks. Well, because that was apropos of nothing, and I love that. Thank you for giving us just... Well, we had been talking about uh, beer festivals and how they work and that yep. sort of thing. But, but it, was, it was a great little... Uh, yeah. So, so that, the next one is much more right. about the price of slabs. So Grant also said, hi there, interesting discussion on your... So he'd obviously listened to the, the last podcast or a recent podcast before he sent this one. Interesting discussion on your recent podcast regarding the pricing of craft beers. I was in BWS buying beers and looking for a session slab for my own quaffing as well as a six-pack. So notice how he didn't sort of say boozing or booze or anything like that, isn't that right? You know, or describe himself as a punter. And yeah, or a punter. Just keep um, moving that. For my own quaffing as well as a six-pack of Montes Black plus a four-pack of B-Mead for my lovely wife. B-Mead. As so in mead, like, Yeah, yeah I, I, I know, but I, I don't know it. I was tempted to pick up a slab of Pirate Life's... Obviously, independent. he's not someone who puts independence in the plus one column. Um, which is okay. Um, I was tempted to pick up a slab of Pirate Life's Pirate Ale because I like the taste. But holy crap, it was $95 a slab. I really wanted to support them, but when BWS has a slab of lashes for $53, well damn. I went for the acceptable taste at a good price point. Instead, sad but true. And, and then he goes on to sort of, just sort of discuss it. Um, would Pirate Life sell more if they could bring their prices down to $70 a slab? And I guess we gradually will as they grow. They've got their new brewery. Um, we probably will see uh, the prices come do you reckon, down. I just a reckon bit. that CUB have bought them so that they can have a price point that's over the odds. Because they've already got plenty of beer that they can sell Absolutely. at the cheaper price. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So Pirate Life will be their competitor to the other expensive slabs like and Volta or. Whenever yeah. you ask, yeah. you know, why does craft beer cost so much? The question is, why does mainstream beer cost so, cost so much? Uh, no, no, why does it cost so much? Because well, when you're paying almost 50 bucks for a Great Northern, it should, it, when, when it's really made at the same price as like a, a 4X um, or you know, a VB, yeah. but it is the marketing darling, so there is a price point. It, it costs the same, but there is a marketing perception, and uh, you know, they can get great, you know, the, the, the glass that labels everything, will be cheaper, their the packaging will be cheaper. Oh, and the buy in bulk and save is yeah. very much... Not bad beer, but... It, it's very much a numbers game. We, we, we've discussed this on the podcast before. You don't, yeah. No brewer makes very much per unit. The way you make money is to sell more units. And the way that the big brewers have been able in the past to sell more units is by shaving the, the sharper edges, not dumbing things down, but certainly making it more approachable, less offensive to, to more people. And that's how you're gonna sell more units. And then also, multi-million dollar advertising campaign so that when people walk in they'll subconsciously you know pick up your brand zoe from a marketing perspective price does it matter like can you what do you need to do to create a pale ale that costs ten dollars more than a mainstream pale ale for example yeah price is definitely part of the marketing consideration um yeah any marketers listening there's the four p's if you talk to others there's seven p's but yeah price promotion placement, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's certainly something that 
the business has to be aware of, um, especially I think for any um, new brewers coming onto the market. Like you might want to make the beer you really love, but if it's going to come in at you know a ridiculous landing price point, um, you've got to be aware of the sales challenges to go with it. Um, yeah, it's definitely a consideration. I'll just sort of finish. Here you go. Um, so so the, I'll skip out a couple of paragraphs, but then he says, and apropos of our discussion about where do you listen, thanks again for your podcast. It's a great way to catch up with industry news and perspectives while commuting or doing my chores. P.S. Are you on Patreon? I had a look on the website but couldn't see reference to Patreon and searching brought up episode 108 or older from 2016, which seemed rather out of date. Cheers, Grant. Um, we don't do Patreon. There was a bit of an issue where they, because you had to pay in American dollars, American, convert back. and then so you you might have wanted to give five dollars, but this month, depending on what the dollar, the, the value of the Australian shekel was, it might be six dollars or it might be nine dollars. So we, you, you, if you do like the show, you can support us. Go to the show notes. There is a link to PayPal where you can either do a one-off donation or pay regular, regular. in Australian yeah. shekels. But thank you very much for that. Um, our last letter? No, second last letter. I'll read the quick one from um, Richard Kilpatrick on uh, Facebook. And I miss this. For all the people saying they won't drink Four Pines anymore, here's something to consider. If your favourite independent band, music band, signed with Sony Records, would you stop listening to them? Is it a different argument? Because at the end of the day... I probably I wouldn't, wouldn't buy their merch. I probably wouldn't walk around they put out with... More you know, like I, I wouldn't take off my Billy Joel t-shirt to... you got a Billy Joel t-shirt? <laughs> Like that was a, a good snigger from <laughs> Megan too. That was a very which is one derisive <laughs> millennium. There's one thought in there. Um, sorry, I, I, won't, I, I wouldn't take off my Nirvana t-shirt to sort of put on it. Um, That's also know. bad. Oh, is it? Who, who should I be listening to? Megan? Oh, I'm the wrong uh, person to ask. I, I'm the um, wrong person. Yeah, everyone, everyone who listens to this knows that I'm totes cray cray for Tay Tay. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just go with Taylor Swift. Or you know, mum's a fan. But yeah, but, but to, to that point, I don't think you would stop listening to them, but you're not going to walk around bragging that you listen to them because, you know, I want to show that I like them before yeah. For, they were... Forgive me if popular. I'm wrong here, but isn't Four Pines also a B Corp, like Stone and Wood? Well, they're owned by CB. Big-ish. Oh, B Corp. B Corp. B, B Corp, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, B Corp certified. I, I believe so, I if, if I'm yes. not wrong. And, I mean, that that's something. Very significant. I mean, I looked up how many breweries in Australia are a B Corp, and I think they're the only. There's only two. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's great. So there whoever they're owned by, I think it's still good. Uh, and just on that too, I noticed um, shopping at Uncle Dan's the other day. Four Pines Colch is now Four Pines Draft. No way. Yeah. Just noticed the repackaging this week. So for me, that was, I guess, always that. Bit of an in gag because it was handmade, not hands made. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was Kolsch, not Kirsch, because they'd taken away the umlaut. And and Kolsch sounded cooler than pale ale or something like that. Yeah, so it was a, a bit of that kind of yeah. You kind of had to know what it was. So I wonder whether. But then when you get the out name, of the yeah. bubble, you actually need. to... Do we now need to move units of that? Because at the end of the day, that's furfy. So that's, that that could be. So, so let me get this right. Our furfy. Because now have a, four, uh, a pirate life Pacific ale. And a pirate life draft ale. So then no, just four pines. Oh, no, sorry, no, sorry, sorry. Um, four, yeah, four, four pines Pacific ale. Pacific ale, four pines draft, draft. ale. Well, so, just draft. So, so, so they're when, covering both their stone and wood so, beds. So, so, so what are they going to do? Four pines Jasper. <laughs> uh, fixation will become a brand, uh, a, 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 a style or, next. Or, or, or maybe uh, four pines draft will just become a fixation on everybody's beer list. 
Who can tell? Uh, our last letter from Josh Phillips. Howdy, Matt, Pete, and Joe. So there you go, Joe. Joe gets her first and shout. And Zoe out. and Megan. Well, yeah, but he doesn't say I'm that. Not, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, long-time listener, always attended on writing, but this is the first. I have some comments as a craft beer drinker in regards to craft breweries getting into lagers. Price is a consideration, again, Matt, in terms of value. For a pale ale, IPA, sour, stout, or a specialty style, it's pretty clear that the bolder, more easily defined flavours slash interpretations present in the craft brewery versions adds to the enjoyment. Therefore, paying double the price is okay, as you could argue that you're getting double the enjoyment while supporting independent and local. For lagers, on the other hand, it's hard to say double enjoyment as the craft breweries versions, whilst better than majors, may only just sneak ahead in a style that is lighter in flavour, readily available by the majors at such lower pricing. Therefore, it feels that most of the extra per slab for a craft lager versus a majors lager is nearly mostly for the local and independent aspect. Local and independent does matter, and to me strongly, but uh, at up to double the slab price purely for the fact it starts to hurt a little and could turn customers, brackets, punters, away. <laughs> I love the regular listeners. Uh, that's an interesting one because, yeah, now for me, the first, when I first read that, I said, well, hang on, don't, don't downplay a good lager. A good lager it's can not have every bit of the enjoyment, the for me, it's, certainly. And I know he's not yet, yeah, that, that, yep. that Josh isn't meaning to, to do that. Um, but it does come down to, I guess, you know, how much can you charge? We, we, we spoke recently of a $92 slab for a... Pale and, and, and that was one of the questions I asked uh, the, the guys of Heads of Noosa for our viewers of conversation. Yep. Sweeping through, you know... Particularly if, you, if you're... You're in not a, interesting enough to be in the craft... Not beer, like you, you, You're not sort of, you know, awesome beer. Um, mm. But you, you're not sort of doing sour bubblegum milkshake beers. Yep. You're not doing, but then you're not getting the scale for the mainstream lagers. How do you justify Where that? You so, so, so go listen to a brewery that's making uh, Josh. Um, so good point, Josh. But yeah, I think, and, and I think certainly go back 10 years, it was very hard to find a good craft lager. We're sitting here in Burnley Brewing, the first three beers, I think. So the Pills, the Vienna Lager, and I think, I don't know if the Summer West, Ale, I'm uh, not sure. Uh, and sorry, the East End Lager. Yep. So boom, your first three beers off the bat, uh, or three of the first four, are lagers. And the pills that we had did the job. Yep, I, I like the way that Josh just said, I do support independence and I do put a yeah. premium on that. And that's where, like if you're buying a 92, $95 carton of uh, small local independent, they're maybe making 150,000 litres of beer if they're lucky. So they've got their two wages um, being uh, sort of spread across a smaller amount of beer. Their glass is going to cost them, you know, five dollars a carton. Their carton. So by the time you just take out the packaging cost, you're looking at ten dollars maybe. Labels, packaging, you know, labels, glass, cap or can, um, and the carton. You're looking at maybe ten dollars a carton, just or fifteen dollars a carton if they're contract brewing. Um, contract canning, um, $15 just in that. Um, so you really you need to have a strong it's brand. It's a hard way to make it. Yeah. So but, but, but this is really a marketing question. We sort of touched on it before, Zoe. Yeah, I think there's there's two considerations that come into my mind. Um, one, as I rub it on a bit, is just knowing, the, knowing your target consumer. Um, yep. And so if we're looking at craft breweries, um, you know, they're all about your pale ales probably at a minimum and then wanting, as you said earlier, your raspberry milkshake, IPAs, sour, 
whatever, whatever. Hashtag hazy is lazy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and um, I do like that hashtag. Though. Um, you know, who are you targeting with that lager? Um, where is that volume going to be sold? Like we look at lagers just being a volume driver. It's mass produced. It's like sorry, that's where the volume in the category beer as a total currently sits. If you're a craft producer. Who are you trying to get across with that? And are they open to paying 90 bucks? Are they open to going, I'm prepared to pay an extra $40 a slab because it's independent? Like, is that something that fires them up? Or is that just a, it's so, nice if I can, but this week I can't. So from a marketing point of view, do we need to, I guess, stop talking about lagers versus ales and just talk about Good independent beer? beer? Or, yeah, because yeah. you look at Camden, Camden Town Brewery, basically is a lager brewery, set themselves up as a lager yeah. brewery. And with the both the cask ale, real ale, and the, and the American IPA style, they were all of a sudden, in a very crowded market, differentiated very, very easily. Yeah. Um, I had on the weekend, and a shout out to Richard Benny, who's the brewer with Ren Blackman, down at Blackman's, I had a sour lager from their new barrel farm, and it was an absolute cracker. Okay. So this is showing where, and, and, and Ren, I guess, has been- obviously, because- uh, Yeah, and he had a sour neeper as well. To which I said, hashtag, hashtag. In, um, in defense of lagers, it's harder to brew a lager than it is an ale, less. and it takes longer, so it's going to cost. But the punter, yeah, so he doesn't know that and, because and, they look at a big thing. Two that, slabs that for eighty bucks thing at their drive-through B, BWS for a cup. Thirty, draft forty or days or in a tank, as opposed to maybe ten for, yeah. for an ale. And yeah. so you've got all of those. Costs. I have to check with the guys at Burnley, but the pilsner that we that we had, I'm guessing, was probably two, maybe three weeks, three weeks in in tank. Whereas they would probably love to be able to do a pilsner, forty-two days minimum. But the reality is that tank's then being tied up. And that's costing them an enough. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's you know potential earnings that, yeah, having that aren't there. Having just down that rabbit hole. Just read the last uh, the second last I'll, paragraph. I'll, I'll read the I'll read the last one because <laughs> oh no no I'll make it a shit sandwich because it's a nice bit of bread at the front there and a nice bit of bread at the middle and then there's this in, uh, in between. Uh, also some comments that I hope are taken as constructive criticism. The show length is starting to get out of hand. <laughs> I think the cook limit needs to be kept regardless of how much news is about. If there's not much news about the show, uh, news about, the show does not have to extend to that certain <laughs> length either. It feels like the waffle level is increasing and detracting from your news and views. I'm also uh, subscribed to eight other podcasts and my podcast hours in the week are limited. So that's, yeah, fair, fair call, Josh. Um, and as I say, I've got probably a dozen podcasts that I yep. listen to regularly, but some will be, you know, three this week. I might listen to four different ones yep. next week, come back, whatever. Uh, keep up the good work. I enjoy Brews News telling me about what's happening in the industry, not all the hype stuff. And for that, we are very thankful, Josh. Absolutely. And then look, again, we, we, you know, well, we've hit an hour, but that's because we've got the awesome insights of uh, Megan and Zoe, yep. as opposed to our waffle. And Zoe, you're not the waffler, we are. Oh no, I think I'm a serial offender, but no, no. it's okay. We get more comments you guys about excuse the value me every week. So. But anyway, we are we have just ticked over the hour. So um, Josh, thank you very much uh, for for that feedback. We are very mindful of it. Not everyone we, we actually get more comments about an hour is about the sweet spot for the show. With certainly commutes. for commuters, um, commuters. If you're commuting, it seems to be about an hour. By the time you're waiting at the station, you're on the train or the bus or whatever. Or you've got a large lawn to mow. Or you've got or a big lawn to mow. A, a big load of And mashing in is kind of around that, that hour mark. But let us know how you use us, uh, because that will help us I think once we, get our, once we get our Facebook group established, we should probably do, I think, a little survey, just, yeah, to, just to get a bit it. of an idea of, of, of where people are at, where they listen to us, how they get there. 
their news, views and opinion on the Australian brew scene. We'll do that, but take us out, Prof. Well, first of all, I think Megan should probably, because she's the new kid on the block, uh, she should decide uh, whether it was um, Grant, Richard or Josh that get the... Um, no pressure, but don't fuck it up. It's <laughs> <laughs> the worst. Well, I really like the Four Pines thing, but I think the, the final... Yeah, Josh was pretty honest, wasn't he? Yeah, I think the final chap. Was it the waffle? Everyone, gets a, ba- everyone gets a bar blade, <laughs> Josh gets a six-pack and a bar blade. Done. Thank you very much. Um, if I need to make the pain of listening to us for so long. This has been the new version, the new streamlined (laughs) brevity version of Good Brews Week. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum. He's been Matt Kierkegaard. And a very uh, great pleasure to welcome, in person for the very first time, Zoe Ottaway, live at the desk. And even more of a pleasure for the first time to introduce Megan Sarley. for 200, episode 200. Oh, that's true, yes. And at Brucon. We did it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cool yeah. studio, yeah. But this is the first time at Burnley Brewing, yes. is what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And at a table like this and that, shape. That's it. Well, yeah. and in a more and a wooden um, table. And... In a night, you know, without the yeah. audience. Yeah. And that's, that's has it been mean. nice to have a beer while we talk? It is. It is. It's Although, just... three coffees and two beers later, I, I think yeah, right, an hour we're... is plenty of time because I need we didn't, to. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't had any, uh, any entries today for our um, What's on Your Toilet Wall. Um, but I'm sure Matt will tell us in uh, about seven minutes' time what's on the toilet walls at Burnley Brewing. Uh, thanks very much, as ever, for listening. Thank you very much to, to Rellings, to Cryer Malt, and to uh, our good friends at Beer Cartel for making all this possible. And a very extra special thanks to Jo, even though she cricketed me three times in last week's episode. Um, guys, we just need to come up with a name. Should we do that off air, over off a beer? Air. Done. Uh, We'll see you all next time for our next episode. And we're out before you press that button. Don't. Just. Now you can press the button. Okay. And we're out. I I can press the button now. Yeah. So we're out. And we're out. We're out. Did you press it to start with? Have we even been recording? Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.